0: your bibles you can open it to colossians chapter 3 verse 17 the sound is what we're going to talk about and how we are the sound this morning uh don't forget well for you guys it'll be easy i keep having to remind my congregation right now that on that sunday we will be doing one service at 10 o'clock uh so you guys will be okay with that yeah For you guys, the reminder is on October 25th, there will, for the first time for you, be two services. We'll do a 9 o'clock and an 11 o'clock. Now, we're also trying to ramp up a bunch of teams. So if anybody has any inclination at all to help out with kids' church ministries, to be an usher, a greeter, to help out with youth, young adults, etc., we're trying to line up as many teams as we possibly can before we merge in and marry together. Because once we move in together, it's going to get a little crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like Sunday mornings are going to get a little exciting. And I, and you're going to see that first Sunday, you know, between the two churches, there's about 150 to 200 adults. And then we have, you know, I don't know, 20 to 50 kids. And we're all both of our churches are inviting everybody who's ever been a part of our churches over the past couple of years to come together for this merge thing. And so there's a good chance there's going to be 200 to 300 people there that first Sunday. And there's going to be an excitement in the air. And a lot of people are going to come and stick. And you'll find out at our campus, we have at least two or three new visitors every single week. And it's kind of awkward. I'm sure you guys have noticed this. But when you come into a church and it's like we have a big big sanctuary that seats about 225. And when there's only like 15 people in that size of a room, it's really awkward when you're the first-time visitor. Because you kind of sneak in and you go, oh, no, everybody knows I'm the new guy. You know what I mean? And then they bolt out. And so we have that kind of awkwardness right now. But that's not going to exist anymore once we marry together, and so a lot of visitors will stick a lot better because they're not going to feel so awkward. I know it's just one of those—it's one of those things they should stick anyway. But the reality of uh, of that type of an atmosphere doesn't work, and so we're going to see a, a lot of growth happen in these first few months. And so we don't want to be caught, you know, uh, unprepared or underprepared for it. So if you want to get involved in kids' church, ushers, greeters, teams, next gen worship, whatever it is. Let us know as soon as possible. We'll get you engaged and involved in those. Again, our theory at our church, what we're going to be doing is called sit and serve, where you come to one service and you attend, then in the other service you serve. And it works wonderfully for those who do serve, particularly the kids' church leaders, because you get to come to church every Sunday. It's awesome. But you also get to teach and and, and operate in your gifting and calling every single Sunday, and so it's a wonderful thing. Don't worry if you do that. If, you, if you're if you not used to that, we will give you breaks and, and weeks off. That's not a big deal. But the reality is is I, we believe that our kids' church deserves pastors as well. They need people who are consistently teaching them the word of God. And so we always make sure that our kids' church have consistent teachers and assistants in those things. So get signed up to help. All right? All right. A couple years ago, well, it was like six years ago now, um, Danielle and I, my wife's right here, by the way, if you haven't met her, say hi, Danielle, my kids are here today, Uh, we moved, for those of you who don't know the whole story, uh, I got saved at 19, Um, my wife brought me to the Lord, and real soon after that, we were looking for churches, and had, so my experience with church has been very minimal, Um, We ended up coming to a church that was originally called Gateway Christian Fellowship, which is the Santa Ana Foursquare church that we pastor right now. We served there for three years as youth and worship directors. Uh, And then we were praying through a move. Uh, I was working up at Nickelodeon Animation Studios in Burbank, and I was serving in our church down here in Santa Ana, and that drive is miserable. And so we were praying it through, Lord, do you want us to move to Burbank and find a new church? Or do you want us to find a new job down here in Orange County? And the Lord was very clear. It's time for you to move to Ohio to minister the gospel to your family. That wasn't an option. And so, and so my, my parents were living in Cleveland, Ohio at the time. We moved 3,000 miles to Cleveland, Ohio, moved down the block from my parents to minister the gospel because I didn't grow up in church. And so we lived there for three years, served in a Fortsburg church in Ohio. we trained up in ministry, uh, licensed in ministry, and full-time on staff at a church there as youth and worship pastors. And what was really interesting was uh, three years into that, uh, we decided to take a vacation back to California to see how our church was doing, take our kids to Disneyland, SeaWorld, just do the whole thing. And we came back, and that Sunday morning I was supposed to preach – at our old church but the pastor called me up he goes something's going on I can't I can't tell you till you get here but you're not going to be preaching anymore just you can still lead worship but we're not going to do the preaching thing okay we show up that Sunday morning and it's it's the Sunday morning where our old senior pastor is stepping down and resigning from the church I mean just these God timing things are so weird so many of you guys know Kimberly Dearman. she's our district supervisor now she showed up, she was at church that morning, just going to let the church know, hey, everything's going to be okay, we're going to find you a new pastor, we're going to take care of you guys, don't worry about it, you're not going to lose the facility, all that kind of stuff. Well, I, we lead worship that Sunday morning, and she comes up to me after service, she says, what do you do for a living? There's an anointing on you. So well, I'm a youth and worship pastor out in Ohio. She goes, who's your pastor? I said, Jeff College." She goes, I serve on a board with Jeff. If you don't mind, I'm going to ask him if he would release you to come pastor this church. Uh, I wanted to go to Disneyland. This is supposed to be vacation time for me. I'm not here to change my life. You know what I mean? And so we prayed, it, we prayed it through when we got back to the hotel that day, and we knew it was the Lord. So we moved back to our old church, and the Lord spoke something very clearly to Danielle and I, which was, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it bears no fruit. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And we had to put to death our old church it had been stagnant, and we knew it to be stagnant for a long time. And how many, I mean, pastors just get tired sometimes. Can't fault them for it. People burn out in ministry all the time. He loved the Lord, no question, but there was a lot of burnout that was happening. He was tired, just, and church had become real stagnant. You know, it was about 75 people when we left. It was down to about 15, 17, I think, when we came back. And when we prayed it over, the Lord said, I want you to start this thing over as a brand new church. So we prayed it through, and the word that the Lord gave to us was sound sound. I thought it was an interesting word. I've never heard of a church called sound before. So I looked it up, looked up the definitions, a little bit because every time I pray through it, this word just kept coming to mind, sound, 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 sound. And sound has two definitions. First is that it's an audible noise, right? <clears throat> My voice isn't working very well this week because I had anesthesia, and apparently it's just not back yet. But vocal cords are vibrating, going through the microphone. Vibration is traveling through the speaker system. And you can hear my voice, right? It's an audible noise. It's, it's sound. But it also means of everlasting character, of enduring character, of integrity. You know, like uh, this, this building is sound. Praise God. <laughs> it has a roof over it, and the trusses are, are sound. And because they're sound, the roof stays up. Right. So it's it's of enduring character. It's it's of it's of integrity. It does what it says it's going to do. And how many of you guys know as Christians, we need to be both an audible noise and of enduring character. You need to talk the talk and you need to walk the walk. And we all know Christians who talk the talk, but don't walk the walk. Yeah, oh, praise Jesus, right? And they, they've got all the verbiage down. They speak Christianese and all that kind of stuff. But then they're driving out of the parking lot. And you guys have got a busy little street right here getting out of the 405. And somebody cuts right in front of you. And it's, what the? You know, and it's just, where's the? You just got out of church, bro. Like, there should be some character going on. Especially, you know what I'm saying? Okay. But we also know a great many Christians who... Believe that you're, you should walk it out, but not necessarily talk it out. There's this phrase that's been just tweaked the wrong way, and it's one of those just... I hate this phrase. And I'm sorry if you've said it. I'm going to offend I'm going to offend you a great many times on Sunday mornings. OK? If I ever offend you, come talk to me about it afterwards. I, I will apologize, most likely. But the chances are, (laughs) I just rub people the wrong way often. And so just be prepared for it. You're probably going to get offended and rubbed wrong. And uh, we're going to be good with that moving in because I warned you. Okay. (laughs) So it makes it okay. Uh, (laughs) People say this all the time. Preach the gospel always. When necessary, use words. Well... Romans chapter 10 says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And it says in this whole chapter, it says, look, how can somebody come to faith if they haven't heard? And how come how come some, how could somebody hear it without somebody speaking it to them? And how is somebody going to speak it if they haven't been called? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Paul also says uh, in one of his letters, he says the, the means by which God has brought salvation to man is by the word of God preached. It's not by the word of God lived out. Now, listen, I understand. We must let our light shine before all men that they see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. Absolutely. But if people just see your good works and you never share the gospel or share your faith with them, then they can't come to faith in Christ. They just think, man, that guy's got it down. Right? So we've got to be audible, but we also have to be of integrity, of good character, of enduring character. Colossians chapter 3 Verse 17 says this Whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do all in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to, uh, through Him to God the Father. Whatever you do, whether it's in word or or whether it's indeed, it should all be done in Jesus' name. Whatever you do. Uh, I would like to phrase this as no excuses. <laughs> Whatever you're doing, whether you're at work or whether you're at school, whether you're at home or whether you're at church, whether you agree or whether you don't, whether you love what you're doing or whether you hate it, whether you're on the clock or off the clock, you're a representative of Christ. Come on, church, that was well worth an amen. <laughs> You'll recognize really quickly that I like a, a responsive church. It's much easier to preach and teach when there's response. So ready, i want to say that again. Whether you're at work or at school, at home or at church, whether you agree with what's being done or not, whether you love it or hate it, whether you're on the clock or off the clock, you represent Christ. Amen. amen. Yes, you do. If you're in your prayer closet, you're representing Christ. Did Christ not get alone to be with the Father often? You're a representative of Christ even when nobody else can see you. And so whether, whatever you're doing, no excuses needed, whether it's what you're saying or what you're doing, you need to do it all in Jesus' name. So I want to break this down in speech. That's the audible noise. Frankly, I would love our church to be loud. There's this happening in the world right now, which has been happening for uh, 2,000 some years. The world is telling the church to be quiet. But for the first time in 2,000 years, the church is listening. And I don't understand why. We we make up excuses like we need to submit to our authorities. And if the government says that it's not okay for us to preach our faith... Well, they're the authority that's been given by God, and so maybe we should listen to it. Or If my job, this is my favorite, if my job tells me to stop talking about my faith in the workplace, God gave me that job, and he he wouldn't want me to lose the job that he gave me, now would he? I've never lost a job because of sharing my faith. I've been threatened a great many times. I worked at this animation studio in, in Ohio, and I would share my faith all the time. I mean, it would get to the point. We, we used to play Call of Duty, like one of the old Call of Duty games. There was, these, uh, there was an animated animator suite, and then there was the administrators on the second level, and on the first floor were the uh, television production crew. Every day at lunch... We animators versus TV production crew on call of Duty on our own servers. It was like 50 people playing all at once. It was awesome. It was so much fun. It was the older games too. So it wasn't the real ones. It was like, you know, like really crummy graphics and all that kind of stuff, but it was really fun. We play call of duty and people would go, ah, oh, Christ, <laughs> you know, cause they're mad cause they just got shot and they'd be cursing. There is no other name under heaven on earth by which we must be saved. Brian, shut up. You brought it up, buddy. There was this one time when we had like this. It was Halloween time, and somebody put a skeleton up on the wall for decorations. And they said, "Brian, you okay with this? Because we know you're like the religious guy, right? There, are you okay with it? I don't care if you put a skeleton up on the wall, whatever." But after a couple of weeks, they kept decorating it, and there was like candles in front of it and all this kind of stuff. It Started to look like a shrine. I'll tell you what, though, because I was so loud about my faith, everybody else in the room had this conviction. Like, are we worshiping the skeleton? <laughs> it was ridiculous. I didn't have to share, like, you know, repent for idolizing. Yeah, I didn't have to do any of that stuff because the conviction was there because I'd spoken it so often. My, my boss had told me many times, Brian, you've got to stop sharing your faith at work. It's not appropriate, man. I'm like, dude, you should come to church with me this Sunday. Like, you, you should find out how how appropriate this is. Like, it's awesome. My wife went through a, a hard trial at that time. We were pregnant with our second daughter. You know, our daughter was given a 99% chance of fatality. Danielle was given a 67% chance of fatality during that pregnancy. Man, I was telling everybody every single week what God was doing in our lives. Why in the world would I keep silent? By the time Nora was born, she came out healthy. The only baby in medical history here in the United States to survive this type of a pregnancy Dude, you think I'm not gonna tell the world what God is doing right now? I was ecstatic about what the Lord had done in my life. I'm gonna tell, I wanna tell everybody that I know. Don't let people tell you that you should be quiet about your faith. It's nonsense. They told Peter, James, and John that in the book of Acts, didn't they? They said, Peter, James, John, listen, you guys gotta stop talking about Jesus. This isn't cool, it's not politically correct. We're gonna put you in jail. If you don't stop, we're gonna kill you. And Peter says to them, on trial before the Sanhedrin in court, he says, well, whether it's right in your eyes or in God's, I'm going to let you judge that one out. As for me, I'm not going to stop talking about what I've seen and what I've heard. Dude, you are before the courts. They're threatening you with their li- with your life. They're saying, we're going to take it away from you, bro. And he goes, yeah, uh, you're not going to shut me up are you kidding me? And then they leave and they have a prayer meeting and they go, God, would you give us more boldness to preach the gospel? What? Oh, why are we being quiet church? Like just because your boss says so, or just because your school says you're not allowed to, it was really sad. Uh, this past, I think this, this past week was uh, prayer at the poll day nationally. I saw so many people who were posting and I was really proud of some of our students and such, but I remember when I was doing youth ministry, you know, the prayer around the pole day was a big thing. And we would have dozens, if not hundreds of kids lined up at all of our schools praying around the pole. And this past week, I saw a couple of people posting and it was just their kid kneeled down before the pole. And it's sad because the church has just been silenced. And we're supposed to be loud. We need to be the loudest voice. Amen. Amen. Because words matter. James says, "If anyone can tame the tongue, he is a perfect man. Words matter. Words matter because they have meaning. I love wordsmithing. You know, like if you ever come into a meeting with me, like I, I will go for half an hour on which word is the right word. You know, the perfect word. Last year we were talking about we wanted to be excellent as a church, and so what was the vision point? And we're like, we wanna, we wanna put forth excellence. We wanna be." We came to this, we want to champion excellence. Ooh, that's a cool word, you know? Words, words matter because uh, they have meaning. I don't know if you've noticed, but words have lost their meaning recently. How about this word right here? Literally. You go to lunch with somebody and the food's not very good and they go, oh, this food is gross. I literally just threw up in my mouth. Uh, <laughs> you want to go wash your mouth out? Like that's kind of, no, I didn't actually, I just literally did. Well, oh, I'm so tired. I literally just died. No, you did not. <laughs> you are exhausted. You're not literally dead for a second. <laughs> random is another one that that gets brought up a lot. Random. Like my sense of humor is so random no, it's not. You, you thoroughly thought out what you were going to post on Facebook. You didn't just randomly click on some meme and then post it to Facebook. That would be random. You saw something that you thought was funny, and then you intentionally posted it, right? Or well, this one's killing me, this next one. Epic. There was this, yeah, the slide on this one. There was a McDonald's advertisement on, the bill, on, on a billboard on, our, on the way to our girls' school, and uh, it said, breakfast just got epicer." By definition, breakfast cannot be epic, right? Epic means grand. I mean, I guess if you were having this feast, you know, with with thousands of people and there was banquet tables that that lined the state, that would be an epic breakfast, but McDonald's doesn't make epic (laughs) breakfasts and -er (laughs) epic-er is certainly not a word, but the words that we use matter and our words should always represent Christ. Here's because words have power. Proverbs 8 verse uh, 18 verse 21 says the power of life and death is in the tongue and those who love it will eat of its fruit. The power of life and death resides in what you say. Now think about all that that implies with every word that you speak throughout the day. You can speak life. Or you can speak death. I don't know if you know this, but every decision that you make, according to Deuteronomy, every decision that you make will either be life or death. And Deuteronomy says, choose life that you might live. Right? Every decision is tree of knowledge of good and evil or tree of life. Every decision that you make. Where you go to... I found this to be true because of my cancer. Where you go to eat lunch is life or death. It may not be death today... It could be, but it, chances are, if you go eat this garbage meal for lunch, it's not going to bring death today. But how many of you know, down the, you're putting death into your body, yeah? Okay? So even those little tiny decisions that we think have no you know, weight to them today, they matter. What you say is life and death, and whichever one you love, you will eat the fruit of. Jesus even says, not only do our words matter, but idle words matter. Matthew chapter 12. Verse 36, Jesus says, and I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. What? Like, think think about the implication of this phrase. So you're going to get before, before God someday on judgment day, and you're going to be seated on the, it's called the Bema seat of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ. And I don't know how this plays out, but for most people who've envisioned this and, and really done the studies on it, there's going to be like a stadium, like this sea of multitudes of people and then you're going to get up on the judgment seat of christ and receive judgment and jesus says on that day you will be held accountable for every idle word that you've spoken (sighs) think about that before the multitude of the saints that are in heaven and you're going to get up there. And I don't know if it's going to be like a big IMAX screen. And they're going to just replay it or what. But it's going to be, Brian's like, dude, did you see that movie this week? Oh, what a rubbish movie that was. Oh, that movie was so stupid. Oh, where we ate for lunch. Wow. Do they not even know how to cook a cheeseburger? You know, it's just idle words that have no, no value, no substance to them at all. And it's just going to play. <laughs> and we're going to be like get me off of this (laughs) seat. Every idle word. The average person speaks 11 million words a year. 11 million words a year. How much of that do you think is cursing or gossip or grumbling or complaining or slander or just empty promises? How much of that is sarcasm? Ooh. Drop the mic and walk away. How much of it is sarcasm? You know what I'm saying? Oh, does this really matter? Does it matter whether God-fearing, God-believing people curse or not? Does it matter if they gossip? Does it matter if they grumble or complain? If they slander people? If they have empty promises? If they're sarcastic? It does. Paul says, this kind of talk, it's not becoming of you. As someone who is in Christ, sarcasm is not becoming of you. It means it doesn't—it doesn't look right. It doesn't fit. <laughs> this morning we—we we have a little pug now, an ugly little thing. I don't, I, know, I know people think pugs are so cute, like so ugly that they're cute. She's not. She's just really ugly. Like her teeth are always sticking out and stuff. My daughters—they have these Build-A-Bear clothes, and they put a tutu on the pug it wasn't becoming you know it didn't fit you know what i'm saying when i when i say it's not becoming a little pug and a little pink tutu and it doesn't work right just looks weird sarcasm gossip slander cursing it doesn't fit you're a pug with a tutu on (laughs) just doesn't work Speak life. This stuff matters because Jesus tells us that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Think about that. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Your mouth will always betray your heart. Your mouth is always going to betray what's on the inside. And if what's coming out is gossip and sarcasm and cursing and slander, empty promises, Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no be no, right? If, if, If that's the stuff that's coming out of your mouth then it's betraying what's on the inside. Out, out of our hearts come fruit. Out of our hearts come fresh water, not bitter water. And Jesus says things like, look, one tree can't produce good fruit and bad fruit. I, one river is not going to have bitter water and fresh water. You're either going to be fresh water, good fruit, or you're going to be bitter water, bad fruit. And if what's coming out of the mouth is bitter, then what's on the inside is bitter. And we need to deal with that church. I mean, we got to get that stuff out because we're supposed to be different than the world. And the world's sarcastic enough as it is. (laughs) Amen. The world is sarcastic enough as it is. We don't need to be cutting each other down. We did this whole series at our church. It was one of the best things we've ever done. It took us almost all summer long a couple years ago. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words just might destroy me. There is power in what we say and we need to speak life over each other. So what, how do we do it? Uh, I say we just speak like Jesus. I say we talk like him. In John chapter 12, verse 49, he says, I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. I think some people just need a filter. (laughs) A Jesus filter, right? A filter that would say, hey, did Father God say that to me? Because if he didn't, I'm not saying it to somebody else. Uh, here's the filter that I'm going to put up there. Think before you speak. Now, I know I don't do this often. Don't worry. I'm not this cheesy all the time, but we're going to do it in a cheesy way today because it's nice and easy to remember. Here's the filter. First question. Is it true? Is what you're saying true? Because if it's not true, don't say it. And I mean that about yourself as well. Don't say things about yourself if the Lord hasn't spoken them over you. I watch this with my kids lately, and it's just death. They go, Oh, I can't do that. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. If it's not true, don't say it. What's the Lord say about who you are? You need, we need to be declaring who we are in Christ because faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. And the more that we speak truth over who we are in Christ, the more that we start to believe it and the more we start to walk it. Is it true? Second one is it helpful? We're told that we should only speak edifying things. Now, how many you know correction is helpful? We need correction. This, doesn't, this This isn't nice. This is helpful. Everything that you say is not going to always be nice or cushy or coddly, but is it helpful? Next one, is it inspiring? I don't know about you, but when I read the words of Jesus, those red letters in my Bible... Dude, everything he says inspires, it motivates, it pushes me farther. We're called to build one another up in the body of Christ towards good works. I love this N one. Is it necessary? You should read Proverbs. Proverbs tells us to keep our mouths shut. More often than not, you should probably just keep your mouth shut. <laughs> This past couple of years, as we've been reading through, uh, you know, we read through the Bible. Uh, we do a reading plan currently that's Old Testament once, New Testament twice. We ask that the whole church does it. Not everybody does. But I'll tell you what, everybody who does, man, they get fed daily. And so I'm going to recommend you're going to hear it from me often. Get joined in on the reading plan. Just start where we're at, you know, when you guys move in. As we've gone through Proverbs the past couple years, the Lord just keeps nudging me. Shh. You don't need to talk so much, because I realized it's not usually necessary for me to speak. There's an old illustration. You know, goats, they shoot their mouth off often, and when you hear a goat, you're just like, "Shut up. Mm, 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 mm. Right? They just go all day. Mm. I don't know if you've ever been to the zoo and heard a lion roar? It's pretty rare. I mean, you don't get to hear it often, but when a lion roars, you pay attention. <laughs> I remember this one time. We were at the San Diego, uh, what Was it called, the Safari Park now. We were at the Safari Park. This was years ago. Daniel and I were just married. And we were walking around. It was one of those days, sometimes at the Safari Park, you kind of wander, and there's like you don't see much because everything's so large. And we didn't see much that day, and we're like, let's, just, we're, let's go go home. So we're walking towards the exit, and there was this one extra you know, pad thing. It was this big concrete pad overlooking I, I, we thought it was going to be the tiger cage. And we look out. Eh, there's no tigers in there. And then out of nowhere, you hear this. <laughs> I mean, just the loudest, craziest. That was, doesn't even do it justice. But this insane roar. And it rumbled the concrete. And Danielle and I were like, oh, we're dead. Like, you just felt like we're going to die right now. I don't know where that lion is. But he sounds hungry. And I'm sure he can jump this high. Right? It was like, we're dead. And it was hysterical. We just looked around, saw this lion pacing back and forth. It puts the fear of God in you. You know what I'm saying? To hear a lion roar. Where's a goat? Whatever, dude. Shut your mouth. We should be lions and not goats. When we speak, it should matter. And the last one is it kind. Kind. Again, not nice, but kind. What's the intention behind it? Not only are we supposed to be an audible noise, we're supposed to be of enduring character, which is where this verse comes in. Whatever you do, whether in speech or in deed, indeed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. giving thanks to God the Father through him. Uh, frankly, church must be doers of the word, not just hearers. James says, if you're, a, if, you're a, just, if you're just a hearer of the word, you're self-deceived. If you come to church on Sunday morning and you listen to some guy talk for half an hour and you don't put it into play that next week, if you read your Bible in the morning and the Lord asks you to do something and you're not living it out, you're self-deceived. See, there's one of those rubs. Because we like to hear the word, right? Doing it's hard. We need to be uh, whatever we do in in deed because our actions matter just as much as our speech matters. What you do with your life matters. I had a young man who was part of a youth group for years. Uh, We moved back to Southern California. He continued in in the youth ministry, graduated. I've seen him at four square conventions and such now. He went off to uh, Bible college in a missionary program. There's a slide for that. I think too, it's just a missionary thing, but he got sent off into the mission field and I've been meeting with him every year. And for three years, he's gone on three to four mission trips every year. He's gone to Kenya, gone to Thailand, gone all over the world. And he found his calling. I mean, he's a missionary and he wants to go plant churches. And he's been talking to me about it for the past three years. Every time I've seen him at a convention or a conference or whatever. And this past year, I hung out with him. We're in Anaheim. He came over to our house It was really fun. We hung out with him for a while. I said, so what's next? Because he's graduating this year. What's next? And he goes, yeah, it's it's probably just time to, you know, grow up, settle down, get married, get a job. Got to do the mission thing for a little while. I said, but you've been telling me you've been called to be a missionary. I know. No, I'm totally called to be a missionary. But, like, we got to be real. Like, got to have a family. Got to settle down. Got to. Dude, why? Who said, who said you have to follow the American dream? Who cares if you have two and a half kids, which uh, math doesn't mean. Who cares if you have two and a half cars in your garage? Who cares if you have the white picket? Who cares? You were doing what God called you to do. You've never felt so fulfilled in your life. Why in the world would you settle for the American dream when God's got a calling for you? Church, I'm speaking this to everybody in this room, by the way. Why would you settle for the ruts and routines that we settle into when God has a gifting and a calling and an anointing and a purpose on our lives? Not only does what you do with your life matter, what you do today matters. And I'll tell you what, nothing's been made more real to me during this cancer time than that. That C word's kind of creepy and scary for a second. You know what I'm saying? You You hear it. But then when you hear that you've got it, it, it kind of, ooh. And I'll tell you what's happened. When I, when I heard from the Lord that first night, a month and a half ago, that that was inside, it panicked me. And for that first week or so, man, I was the best dad and the best husband you could. <laughs> she laughs. Because it, it shook me up. And you're like, what if I don't have tomorrow? I mean, really, what if I don't? And then I had surgery this past week, and for like the first couple of days, man, I was like loving my kids. I'm like talking nice to them and such, but then they don't listen, <laughs> you know what I mean? And they start to grade on you a little bit, and soon enough, you just go back into the old way. What you do today matters. How you treat your kids today matters. How you treat your family today matters. How you talk to the person or how you treat the, the you know, the, the clerk at in and out matters. It matters. How you treat your Trader Joe's attendant matters. How you treat the people at the grocery store matters. What you're doing today actually matters. Ecclesiastes says, it's better to be in a house of mourning than a house of feasting because death is the end of all men and the living should take it to heart. You're better off being at a funeral than at a wedding celebration because you're all going to die. We are all going to die. And nobody has any clue when that's going to happen. And it could happen today. It could happen tomorrow. It could happen this week. You just don't know. And the living should take it to heart. Now, we all say we should live like there's no tomorrow, yet I don't know a single person who actually does. Right? I mean, if, if Jesus was coming back tomorrow, what would you do? Who says he's not? I don't know if you know this, but, like, there are signs and wonders that are happening throughout the world that are pointing to him coming. And he's coming in a, most likely, I know he, nobody knows the day or the hour, and I'm not going to claim a day or whatever. But he's going to come back in the fall, most likely, because that's the only feast that he hasn't fulfilled. And every time we get around fall time, I'm like, Jesus could come back right now. I mean, he, he could come back. And this blood moon that's happening over Israel, it's like once in, like, it's, ha- it's like a once in a millennia type thing, the way that it's all converging. Something's going to happen this week in Israel. I don't know what. For the past seven years, like for the past hundred years, sorry, I'm going way over. For the past hundred or whatever, hundred years, we've been able to track these seven-year progresses that, with the economy, and we're on one that's going to happen again right now, and it happens to be on a blood moon over Israel during a Jewish festival. For all, he could come back this week. You know what I'm saying? He could come back this and if he was coming back, what would you do? Would life be any different? <laughs> Good answer. But would you act any different? Would you, fulfill, would you fill out that bucket list of yours? You know what I'm saying? Like, would you do something? Because most of us would. We wouldn't do things the way that we do them now. How you live today matters. And I'd say what lack of action matters. Some people have labeled this upcoming generation as generation apathy. Ooh, next slide. They have a lack of involvement in society and politics and justice. Come on. Instead of engaging with society, politics, justice issues, we engage with social networking. We consider ourselves relational, but our best relationship that we have is with our phone. And, dude, every one of us, myself included, spends more time with our phone than we do with any other human being. It's ridiculous. What we don't do matters just as much. I don't know if you guys have seen this, this movie Tomorrowland, but there was a good quote in there. I love this. He said, in every moment, there's a possibility of a better future, but you people won't believe it. And because you won't believe it, you won't do what's necessary to make it a reality. Next slide. So you dwell on this, oh, terrible future. You resign yourselves to it for one reason, because that future doesn't ask anything of you today. Boom. It doesn't ask anything of us today. Amos 5 says this. I hate, I reject your services or your festivals. Nor do I delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer up to me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them. Next one. And I will not even look at the peace offerings of your fatlings. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not even listen to the sound of your harps. Next one. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. God's speaking to his people and he goes, look, you're gathering together and you're celebrating and you're having services and you're having festivals and you're singing songs and you're bringing offerings before me. But what does that matter if you're not doing it? It's just noise. It's clashing symbols. What, what difference? Get, you know what? Take your worship music. and Get it out of here. I mean, think about that phrase right there because we think, man, worship is it. Like, because that's all we're going to be doing for the rest of eternity is just sitting before the throne of God singing songs. And so all we need to do here on earth is sing songs to him. Because we could just worship for hours. I don't know about you, but like, I still have an earthly body that gets really tired. And my voice stops working after a while. And I can't wait till the day when we get to heaven, I get that new body that doesn't get tired and I can sing forever. But I can't do that right now. I don't think we're supposed to do that right now, by the way, because if that's what we were supposed to be doing right now, then he would have just raptured us up the moment we got saved. and We could be doing that with him at his throne in heaven. But there is a justice to be had. There's a work to be done. There's a harvest field that is ripe for the picking. And God flat out says to his people, get away from me with that noise of songs, that worship music that you call it. Get away from me with those services where you think you're celebrating about me if you can't do what I've asked you to do. Pew. So here's our solution John 5 19. We'll close it up. Act like Jesus. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. The Son can do nothing by Himself, He does only what He sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Jesus says, I don't say anything unless I hear Jesus say it, or I, I, unless I hear the Father say it. And Jesus says, I don't do anything unless I see the Father do it. Can you imagine how much church would change if we all took the mentality that I'm not going to say anything unless I hear Father say it first, and I'm not going to move. I'm not going to do anything until I see Father God doing it? Imagine that. Let me ask you this. Are we doing everything in the name of the Lord Jesus? How about this? Am I saying everything that I say in Jesus' name? Here's a test. Here's a litmus test. As you talk today, end every sentence with in Jesus' name. And see how much of it fits. Gosh, man, that movie was awful in Jesus' name. (laughs) Nah, (laughs) it doesn't really work. Dude, we should go to In-N-Out in Jesus' name. Cool. <laughs> but that changes the way you go to In-N-Out, doesn't it? You know what I'm saying? What if we ended everything that we say in Jesus' name? Because it says right here, whatever you do in speech, do it in Jesus' name. If you can't say it in Jesus' name, don't say it. Amen. And if you can't do it in Jesus' name, you shouldn't be doing it. Come on. That's, this is what the sound is. It's audible noise, and it's of enduring character. It's in speech, and it's in deed. Now, this isn't a reason to shrink back and become silent hermits, because that's really hard. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. The old, the new has come. I want to be sound. I want to be audible and I want to be of enduring character. And that means the old has passed away. The sarcasm, the grumbling, the complaining, the slander, the empty promises, the cursing has passed away. And now I only say what I hear father say. Come on. The old ways of living in sin, of dabbling with it, even though I know it's not okay. The old ways of slothfulness of apathy, they're gone. The old has passed away. The new is I get to live as a representative, as an ambassador for Christ. It's not a reason to shrink. It's a reason to declare who we are in him. Amen? Would you pray with me? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, Father God, we just want to We just want to hear what you had to say to us today. What are you saying to us right now? Lord, I can't even fathom being this in tune as Jesus was to be able to say, I don't speak unless I hear the Father speak, and I don't do unless I see the Father do. I can't even fathom what that is right now, but I want it. I want it for my life. I want it for my family. I want it for my church. We're ambassadors the kingdom of heaven. We represent you in everything that we say. And in everything that we do. So Lord, I'm not asking for a heaviness this morning. But I am asking for a deep conviction today. That this word in speech and in deed. We get planted so deep down into our system, so deep into our hearts that it would have to find good soil. Let this not just be brushed off on the surface. Let it go deep and challenge us, Lord. When we say things that are not of you, When we partake in actions that are just simply not of you, would you just call us out on it, correct us on it? Even just give us a glance and say, hey, come on, you're better than that. Yeah. God, may we be able to declare as boldly as Paul did it is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. And this life that I now live according to the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. I haven't shed this flesh yet, but it's Christ who lives in me. For me to die is gain. To live is Christ. Hallelujah. God, we submit this to you. Let it be true of us, of our families, and of our church. That we are an audible noise in our community, in our county, in our state, in our nation. We want to be loud. We want the world to know just how good you've been to your people. But God, let us be people of character, of enduring character, of integrity. God, I'm sound, not because of my own works, but because you've made me sound. Thank you, Jesus, for that. And it's in your glorious name we pray. All God's people said.